Goldfinger Superman on Island 106.9 WIIS Key West. Good morning, everyone. I'm Gwen Filosa. The show is called It's Too Early. It's super raining in Key West today. I hope you're all doing all right. We're broadcasting right off Duval Street, Key West, Florida. I'm super excited to have my guest this morning. She's a longtime magazine writer, editor, and book reviewer, but she's got a novel out called The Wrong Kind of Woman. Sarah McCraw Crow, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for it. Now, is it too early for you? Uh, no, actually, our our dog wakes up pretty early, so um, I usually do too. Yeah. Now, I know you've got you've got a book out, and we have a lot to talk about. I saw a picture of a dog on your website. Is that a Saint Bernard? Well, it's a Bernese Mountain Dog, which oh. is probably like a cousin to a Saint Bernard. They're in the same kind of dog family, large, but large breed. Yes, large. Yeah, and <laughs> very very furry. Yes, but but not as big as a Saint Bernards are like the tractor trailer of dogs, right? Exactly. Okay. So Lila is like a, you know, kind of slightly smaller version of that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Lila? Her name is Lila. Sorry. Yeah. Talk about the, you're like, why are we talking about the dog? Because it's important. <laughs> it's important. Now, um, you're calling in from uh, New Hampshire. I lived in, um, let me see if I can stump you. I lived in Penacook and Boscoen. Okay. Well, we're not far from there. We're in Canterbury, which is just across the river from Boscoen. It is so pretty um, there. Yeah. But we're having a uh, kind of crazy heat wave. We have heat advisory uh, warnings all all week. Yeah, I remember a lot of those. And I lived in Manchester. I it, I hope it's changed. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's got some good restaurants and good. bookstores and stuff like that. So yeah, I was there in the ninety. Oh, I'm old. But uh, let's talk about the <laughs> the wrong kind of woman. This came out um, last year, and this takes place in the seventies. There's a lot going on in this novel. Can Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, sure. So The Wrong Kind of Woman is, it's sort of a campus novel because it's set, uh, yes, it's set in 1970 and 71 around the campus of Clarendon College, which is loosely based on Dartmouth College before co-education. And that's New Hampshire, speaking of. Mm -hmm. And Clarendon is an all-male animal house kind of school. And what sets the story off is that history professor Oliver Damaris dies suddenly in his early 40s and his wife Virginia is forced to reassess a lot of what she thought she knew about herself and her her sort of her place in the world and she's uh, she's at the heart of the novel she's kind of this in-between person and she feels like a failure um, both as an academic and as a wife and mom and she's just muddling along in her grief and trying to figure out you know what's going to come next and she's helped out by, by some women who her husband really did not like. And those are the four, the only four women faculty at Clarendon because we're in 1970. And as Virginia starts to become friends with these women and helps bring a little bit of change to their very traditional campus, she starts to change too and begins to reinvent herself. And the other two main characters um, go through some similar changes. And those are Virginia's 13-year-old daughter, Rebecca, who's just really missing her dad and pretty much adrift. And then Sam, who's a musically talented college student, but who's pretty lonely because he does not fit in at Clarendon, which is a jockey, waspy kind of campus. Mm. And he, he's wondering about his own grief about Oliver. So that's that's sort of the nutshell about the characters. And- um, but yeah, yeah, you, you've you've done a lot of college and academia, um, Dartmouth, Stanford. Um, I'm missing one, Vermont. 
Vermont College. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's mm-hmm. a lot. So, I mean, obviously, this this comes from your experience background. You have a background in college towns, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because they're they're special. Yeah. Well, I guess just I mean, I'm not an academic, and I've never had to you know go through that. Um, you know, trying to be a, a you know make my way in, mm-hmm. in academia. So that's that's not part of my experience. But I have um, lived in and around a bunch of college towns. And, um, you know, I think as a setting, well, well, two things. I mean, the time setting is is particular for this novel because we are in a time of reaction to the Vietnam War and all the stuff that was going on around that, you know, the anti-war movement and all the student strikes and protests and more radical activism and the women's movement starting to become more visible. And for a college town like my fictional Westfield, that stuff has felt fairly far away until recently, and now it's just coming closer, and in in both in ways that are both good and bad, I would say. Um, but yeah, as far as like a setting for a novel, I think college towns and college campuses can be kind of handy because everyone is you're you're a little bit it's I guess claustrophobic. Maybe you're sort of forced to interact mm. with people that you might not want to. It's like a little a little fishbowl. Wow, and and this is your your debut novel. You know what I like uh, that you have a, a Spotify playlist for the wrong kind of woman. Um, oh yeah, you know I I um, so I've been writing fiction for probably like thirteen years or so, um, and I don't usually listen to music when I'm writing. But all the time when I was working on this, you know, when it was just just starting pages, I'd listen to late '60s and early '70s music to just kind of help me enter that time period and think about like what would be coming out of a car passing by and what would be coming out of a dorm window that kind of thing and so I ended up you know just keeping the Spotify playlist and that's been kind of fun to have that's cool and now you're you're a book critic for for a while um what's it like writing a novel and are you kind of thinking oh boy here we go (laughs) well yeah I mean those are sort of two different hats in a way that you to to read as a although I should say you read as a reader and then you read as a writer and reading as a a reviewer is similar to reading as a writer because you're looking at like what is the structure how is this put together um you know who are the point of view characters and and those kinds of things but um I you know I I hope those things go together because Mm -hmm. I just I love to read that's my always been my main hobby and I'm happy to read as a reader and as a writer and as a reviewer as well yeah and you're getting great great reviews on on the book what was it like to kind of start to read the reviews were you were you nervous I mean you've always been on not always but you you've know what it's like to be on the critic side and now you're yeah I was right I was I was very afraid to look at reviews and I I will say each time one has come through I kind of look at it like kind of squinty like oh me too (laughs) um but yeah so but that's been um it's it's been um, a nice surprise. I mean, it's nice to get a, a little bit of that early attention from reviewers. And I mean, the, the whole landscape for reviewing and that kind of thing is, is so different because there just aren't very many newspapers that even have a book editor anymore. That just doesn't, it barely exists. It's such a so, big deal. Yeah. Um, so now it's things like Goodreads and Instagram mm-hmm. where just readers are reviewing, which is its own other a whole other animal. It's a whole. That's a whole other thing. 
And uh, what's it like when you when you get your name out there? Obviously, you've been writing and publishing in, in magazines for for quite a while. But when you when you put out a book, do do people contact you like on Instagram? Hey, how you doing? I read this. Or what, what's it like to well, put yourself out? You there? know, right? It's um, well, I will say, it, it, and I think for any author who's published a book, you you um, unless your book is like one of those amazing lead title debuts that happens sometimes, but not very often. Um, it's actually hard to get people's attention. So, mm. you know, you, you kind of want that attention and hope that it will lead people to like go take a look and or buy the book or get it from the library. So I'm happy anytime someone contacts me. And most of the contacts have actually been, can you can you Zoom with our book club? Oh, and nice. that's been, yeah, that's been really great. And I would say that's been a silver lining of publishing in a pandemic mm. is everybody knows how to Zoom. Even, it, it's true. you know, my my parents' generation, it's not like I have to say, this is how you set up a Zoom. Everybody everybody knows. So so that's been great. Yeah, I remember taking to it very quickly. And um, I remember somebody like in last summer, I was like, what's Zoom? And I was like, okay, I don't know you. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but it, it is a way to communicate and, and um, in, you know, quickly and, and you're right there with people. What's it like to meet with a book club? Are they, um, I would assume these are, people that are really into the they, they want to know all about the mechanics of writing or they want to know more about the characters I don't they well both actually people do they always have writing questions they want to know about the process and how you and my writing journey like how did I get started how did that how did I get an agent those kinds of questions and and a lot of times they just want to know in the same way you have uh, uh, with any book club when you're like I you know, would Sam really do that? Like those kinds of character questions. Uh, people have those. But also I have spoken with um, a bunch of groups of women in their 70s who would have been in college at this time. Mm -hmm. And that's been really gratifying because they have said that, you know, this rings true to them and they want to share their own experiences of, you know, what their lives were like when they were young. Now, you, your um, your degrees. You you have a degree in journalism. Um, you have a, have a degree in writing, and I mean, you you're a trained writer. And you went to Dartmouth <laughs> and Stanford, which I would have that tattooed on my arm. I would, uh, I would <laughs> Vermont College of Fine Arts for the MFA. You're 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 trained. You have all this um, you know, really solid background in in, in how to do this. I'm sure you've read tons. And is that needed to be a writer? Are you do you think that you needed that to to be able to be a novelist, or is it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can answer that question very well because I will say no as a general rule no you do not need any sort of degree in writing to write gotcha. you just need to start writing mm -hmm. you need to read a lot read the books that you love and reread them and then write um, you know try to establish a habit of writing every day and then start getting feedback either from um, you know community writing classes or online classes or uh, a writer's group and that that's how you do it and most of my um so i'm in a, a kind of support group for 2020 debut authors that we you know help each other with marketing and stuff like that and i would say the majority of them do not have um mfas and um okay advanced writing degrees but but for me it was just something that i had i had put off you know i went to, to journalism school when i was probably too young to appreciate it mm. um, right after college and then you know worked in magazine writing for a long time and then I 
I said to myself, I don't need in my fail. I will just write and take classes here and there. And um, I just finally, at a certain point, uh, I mean, I only finished my degree in 2020. So this was pretty recent. And I, I finally, after a bunch of friends had gone and done the same thing, I was like, well, maybe I will do it too. And it was, it was actually a very helpful experience for me. But again, not necessary if you if you're thinking, oh, I want to be a writer, I want to publish a novel. Just the thing to do is just start writing. Just to start writing. I, I like the idea about getting that feedback right, kind of right away. I mean, just letting people see what you have. Well, okay. So there's two. Okay, two things. One is you first have to just give yourself permission to write and write badly. Um, nice. This crappy oh. first draft, as <laughs> Anne Lamott calls it, because we all have this idea that real writers, the the words just flow out of the pen and they're beautiful mm. from the start, and that's really not true for the vast majority of writers. You, you know, they'll write 16 drafts of a novel or 35 drafts to just you know do it over and over and over, and improve it little by little. So, it's it, you just have to stay with it, and and the feedback. I mean, only. The writer herself can decide when it's time for feedback. Probably when you feel like you're at a stopping place and you can't go further would be the time to say to your writing group or, you know, to take a class, that kind of thing, and get some feedback. That's great. That's great. I wanted to ask, um, you, I mean, you grew up in the South, right? And, and um, mm-hmm. you lived in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Texas. That's a lot of South. And um, what what's what's it like kind of, uh, is it culture shock when, you, when you're like, I'm going to, you know, live in New Hampshire? Which is great. It's a great place, but it's different. It's a very different place. Uh, it is. It's very different. That's so true. Well, I did go to college in New Hampshire, and I would say that was culture shock. Mm. So I was I was familiar with it when we moved back here. We let's see, we moved um, in. It's we've been here for twenty years. So um, no, I think I'm temperamentally a New Englander, and it actually was, um, you know. It was, it was good. I, I'm, I'm, I really like New Hampshire. And like you said, it is a beautiful place. It's beautiful. And um, there's lots of good things about it. There, there really are. I remember it driving through the winter and just being like, I live in this little New England town that's just adorable. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, people will help you out. They'll pull you out of a snowdrift. They will. They will. They might. That's not. true. I mean, New Hampshire has a grouchy reputation. I was going to say. People, people do. They do help each other out. The whole time they'll be judging you. No, I'm teasing. But they will. <laughs> people really uh, step up when you, when you need help up there. Well, Sarah McCraw Crow, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on the show. The Wrong Kind of Woman is the novel. Check it out. And you have a great website, by the way. It's amazing. Oh. I look well, at them all you. day long. And I was like, this one is uh, sarahmccrawcrow.com. Check it out. I hope we can have you back again sometime. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. And thank you all for tuning in this morning for It's Too Early. It's a podcast, so if you came in a little late, that's fine. It's good. We're all good here. Uh, Go to Spotify, Podbean, Audible, and um, you can... uh, uh, you can check out the shows. So, um, and let's see, let's push on. We're going to play a song and I'll come back with headlines and a look at your weather forecast. This is The Neighborhood Stargazing, Island 1069. Stick around. New music on the island, The Neighborhood Stargazing. Take it from the top. If I start, I just can't stop. All the patience that I got. It's not enough to save me It's a race against the clock But we don't want to watch Keep running till we're lost Got me thinking 
Spa.